Hello and welcome to the EPiest episode of the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. Sorry, what? I'm, um, I'm, uh, I'm uh, Chris Delano. And we're very tired today. <laughs> the weather has decided at the end of goddamn October to shoot back up to the 80s in like four days and then in four days shoot back down to the 50s. Um, so the yo-yo temperatures are completely fucking with my sinuses. So, uh, we, uh, we have, we have a low energy podcast, uh, this week. Yeah, we've got, um, we're covering some, some like setup episodes though. So we don't really have to be high energy. Not a lot of high energy happens. Yeah, we are. On these episodes. I mean... It depends if you're reading them or if you're a character in them. That's true. Um, you know, we're covering the first three stories of Lost Caverns of Ixalan this week. We're going to cover the second batch of three next week. And then the week after, cover the side story, which is really two side stories because it's 10,000 words. Because um, it's Miguel so. Lopez. So, of course, Thanks, it's 10,000 words. That sounded just Miguel, you rock, but you write so much and we appreciate it. Um, we we're going to get a whole episode out of it. I'm, I'm excited. Um, news. We're in preview season for Lost Caverns mm-hmm. of Ixalan. Um, live listeners ignore this next part because it's not temporally relevant to you. But tomorrow, October 31st, Halloween itself is the Vorthos cast preview episode. So we're going to have a little short episode with uh, more than one preview card in it. So stay tuned for that. Spoilers. Yeah. Except well, not, we can't call them spoilers anymore. We have to call them previews. Uh. Free previews. <laughs> Legally obligated to call them free previews courtesy of Wizards of the Coast. Or else the... Uh, FCC, yeah, F F E C, something like that. FCC, whichever acronym. My brain is not working. <laughs> um, it's fine. We don't pay taxes. That's not true. <laughs> that's not true. And to any IRS agents listening, I pay taxes. I pay most of my taxes. Um, the other. We got news things. Long, long live the Magic the Gathering Netflix cartoon. Oh my god, you I forgot. Which I forgot. announced announced just a couple days ago during a shareholder meeting uh by CEO Chris Cox of Hasbro, uh that the show is live. It it exists that it's still in production somewhere uh, on this planet. Uh, we had not heard a thing about it for like two years. <laughs> and everyone assumed it was dead, like a reasonable person. But it turns out the Magic the Gathering Netflix cartoon is not dead. Um, which is exciting because I really want to hear Brandon Ruth as Gideon because I like Brandon's worth as Ral Zarek in Arena. And I'm excited uh, to hear him as another magic character. Uh, so that's cool. I would love to be able to do a podcast episode about a Netflix show 
for Magic the Gathering one day. Yeah, I think they just keep doing this to like specifically torture Carrie, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who has who has been like ping ponging between it's real and it's dead for years now, and I I feel so bad for them. <laughs> how how are you supposed to um? view reality through the lens of a jester when reality itself is its own court of fools um that almost sounded profound in some way uh the other piece of news speaking of courts of fools is uh marvel studios (laughs) absolute disrespect going into this news bit uh marvel and wizard of the coast have partnered together for multiple universe beyond sets starting in 2025 um whatever thoughts you have about disney as a corporation um comic books i like comic books i am more of a dc person than a marvel person that is a well-known fact about me boostle five ever uh scott and barda are the best t for t couple um but marvel has good stuff too sometimes and uh so we're gonna get marvel in magic uh which is like if you're talking about like universes beyond like what are ips that magic can latch on to this is a big get for wizards of the coast like this is clout marvel and magic succeeds that is like a ton of like where do where do you go do you get Star Wars after that? We know we have a space opera set coming out in a couple of years. Do they actually get Star Wars licenses at some point? That would be wild. Didn't Wizards of the Coast at one point produce a Star Wars card game? Uh, they sure did. They sure did, Chris. Um, I remember it because my cousin was really into it. And yeah. they had uh, a card that I will never forget called uh, Beerus Back. And it was just a picture of Aunt Biru from like behind. So it was just her back. And it like returned a Biru card to play. And I always thought that was really fun. It's traditionally <laughs> pronounced Baru, but sure. Well, I'm sorry. You should All be. Right? You can you can She's crucify a skeleton. me. She's a skeleton now, so it doesn't matter that much. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke certainly didn't seem that broken up about it. But uh I like the theory that they didn't die. They faked their deaths and ran away. Um, It's not true. I I know, but I like that thought because I like to pretend that uh, if my child, adopted child, was such a sassy drama queen uh, and brought the like wrath of the Empire upon me, I too would just fake my death and leave. Don't want to be involved in this anymore. Hold on. Hold on. Luke did not bring the wrath of the Empire down on Owen Lars and Beru Lars. Uh, that was R2-D2 and C-3PO, mm. which te- technically it's it's Leia's fault. It's Leia's fault. Ultimately, sure. blame ultimately, the woman. Ultimately, blame the woman. I see how it is. Ultimately, well, no, I'm blaming ultimately, really, it's Padme Amidala's fault for uh, calling for a vote of no confidence in Chancellor Valorum during the Trade Federation crisis of Naboo. Um on behalf of Sheev Palpatine, you know, it's, it's, it's just Sheev's fault. It's just Sheev's fault. You know, I think we can take that one step further and just say it's Darth Plagueis' fault, really. Eh, for dying? Maybe. Oh, well, yeah. 
anyways, we are we are ostensibly a Magic the Gathering podcast. Um, we do sometimes do episodes that aren't about Magic the Gathering. I don't foresee a Beyond the Multiverse about Marvel because that would be like eight hours long and I don't want to do that. Um, but we'll do something for like Fallout maybe uh, in the near future. So we should talk about Magic the Gathering, though. Magic the Gathering, Lost Caverns of Ixalan, Story 1, Quintorius Canned, Planeswalker. I love that boy. He's such a good boy. Rise on Ixalan. Uh, he knows Sahili, apparently, and has been in conversations with Watley about archaeological crap that she's working on uh, in Araska. And uh, so he shows up and uh, meets uh, Weta, who is a Sun Empire scout, who uh, freaking dramatic backstory. She joined. Yeah. Uh, she joined the army of the Sun Empire. She lied about her age to join the army to fight against Phyrexia. Um, and then. uh lost one of her eyes um and was like so broken and disillusioned by the war that she abandoned the sun empire and went and was a pirate for a year um before returning to the sun empire um so she's had a time i yeah i love this backstory because there's so much that happens and we we don't see it and i like that <laughs> yeah she's she's a teenager and she's been through a little bit more than the average teenager should have to deal with <laughs> um but one of the things i really like is hey the phyrexian invasion happened and nobody's really coping with it in the best ways <laughs> um that's going to be like a minor motif that's going to crop up in some of these stories. Uh, anyway, so uh, Quint goes and uh, Quint and Wade go hang out with uh, Watley and Sahili, who are trying to solve. Um, they're trying to open a door in the bottom of a temple in Araska. Um, there are a bunch of panels uh, with glyphs on them, uh, not glyphs, letters on them. They're like part of a poem. But like each tablet that slots into a door has like one word on it. Um, and like uh, Quint and Watley end up working together and figuring out that the words on the panels each metaphorically and symbolically link to a stanza in some poem. Um, and they open this door and Quint is very excited because he gets to... Uh, uh, investigate uh, the coin empire as he has coined the name. Haha, <laughs> see what I did there? Um, oh, that's not even the worst pun we're going to make today. Just want to warn everyone. <laughs> um, where was I? Coin empire. Um, Quint has been tracking remnants and ruins of a multiplanar civilization, ancient civilization of giants um and there's like coin motifs in art and ruins he has seen like from plane to plane and so he's here in exelon because there are apparently uh signs that the coin empire was here um meanwhile watley is trying to get deeper into the core um 
because there's this poem uh, about the ancestors of the Sun Empire. Um, and uh, Intli is the representative of the emperor um, and the military who is interested in this expedition, uh, you know, this journey to the center of the earth uh, in order to find weapons or magic that the Sun Empire can use to wage war against the Legion of Dusk now that they're like far enough away from the Phyrexian invasion that all the old rivalries are back. Um, Watley, not happy about this, she's like, damn it, why can't we just have peace? And it's because there's a lot of bad people, but she hasn't figured that out yet. Uh, and she and Sahili are really gay and it's cute. Uh, meanwhile, Malcolm. And Breaches. And Breaches. Well, so I was good. Malcolm has a job and I think Breaches just tags along. I don't know that <laughs> Breaches is meaningfully and gainfully employed in, in this career path. But uh, Malcolm is uh, working with the Brazen Coalition to manage a bunch of crap because they have a bunch of mining operations now. Um, and the problem is uh, there's this mining camp settlement called Downtown because it's down underground and it's a town which rules. Great name. Congrats to whoever thought that up. Excellent. Um, everyone in downtown has disappeared. And so Malcolm is leading an expedition, um, I think by Captain Ripley Vance. It is Vance. Vance is, Vance is, as far as we can tell, is Malcolm's, like, employer. Yeah. Kinda. Like, there's some, like, weird political stuff happening with the pirates. They're yeah. being pirates, but not pirates. It's well, very it weird. The the coalition seems like a lot more unified than they used to be, but like because of all these mining ex exploits. But if the economics of the mine shut down, they could very much devolve into their old pirate rivalries again. Um, so uh, Malcolm and Breaches uh, are exploring down uh, in the well, not like down the mine shaft. So like downtown was built in um a synote um which is there these uh big vertical caverns um they're all over central america mexico especially especially on the i know there's a bunch on the yucatan peninsula i don't know how where else they go but i they're big vertical caves um uh and so they go down and they find all this weird fungus stuff and they like find some corpses in the settlement above uh, the rim of the cenote. And uh, there are, again, uh, strange mushrooms growing out of some corpses. And uh, gee willikers, what could that be? We don't know because we're in the story and we're not looking at set previews yet. <laughs> but if you've looked at set previews, you know what this is. Um, <laughs> uh, and... Uh, for our third main contenders in this journey to the center of the earth uh, is the Legion of Dusk, uh, where we are mostly following Amalia, uh, who is a young aristocrat uh, cartomancer for the Queen's Bay Company. Um, the expedition, however, is led by Vito, 
a vampire who thinks Alenda is full of shit and that uh, the church has been lying about the gifts of Aklazots, the bat god of night who gave them their vampiric powers like a thousand years ago uh, and is leading an expedition to find Aklazots himself by going underground from his temple. Um, there is also, did you write the other guy's name down? Uh, Bartolome? And yeah. And there's... Uh, oh, Bartolome. Bartolome. I, um, I do, I wasn't looking at the name. Yeah, there's like a few vampires. They're all named. They all, like everyone has a name. They're all have different roles, but like... Well, Amalia no, they're like, Vito. they're specifically legends in yeah. the set. Because mm-hmm. there's... Uh, we'll we'll talk about after we finish doing the story summary for this episode we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about the story conventions because i think it's really really cool i think they're doing a really good job yeah the other one is uh clavelenio mm-hmm. i couldn't First remember his name Bartolome is supportive of the queen and alenda and the church um and is kind of on this expedition to make sure Vito is not some kind of schism fracturing heretic. Uh, turns out he is, though. Um, it becomes very obvious very early in the story. Yeah. Um, they open a door with a human sacrifice, which Amalia is really not comfortable with. <laughs> yeah. Because she, yeah. she got the, the way it describes her blood magic, she like uses her fang to prick her finger and uses her own fresh blood to mix with ink, which then fills out a map. Mm -hmm. And I think that's cool because we know the vampires do blood magic, but like the blood magic being used for something so kind of pedestrian, not that like cartography is pedestrian. No insult to cartographers. You actually have a very difficult job. It's very cool. Um, But like in the context of magic of the gathering, where most things are filtered through the lens of combat. Um, not that you can't use maps for combat. Um, it's actually used for combat in the very next story. Eh, shut up. Um, <laughs> the uh, Yeah, I really want to talk about that, Chris, but we're not there. Yet. Um, <laughs> j- just like, but the point is, using blood matter just to like illustrate a map is really cool. And, and like... Yes, I agree. Gets to be this other axis of of how their the vampire magic works um there's there's a couple other things about the vampires we should mention before we do like a little overview of this episode um Vito has like a book that is very mysterious that he won't let anyone see and he also has a fancy spear that he's like carrying around because Vito is kind of a like a, a a catholic nerd um he's the worst <laughs> I, I hate Vito um well you see he's a conquistador you're not supposed to like him yeah uh so episode one i do want to say like we've we've established what happens in episode one it's a lot of build-up it's a lot of introduction and the thing that episode one is doing for us is also presenting a bunch of different points of view which i think is a very useful method for storytelling specifically for this story that they're doing um i think that if we remember back to another time in magic story when a story was being told with multiple points of view um it maybe didn't work that well when i'm mentioning war of the spark ravnica 
Uh, and that was like the first fear I had when I saw that the first section of the first episode was Quint. And then it was like everything from Quint's point of view. And then the next section was like uh, Malcolm or whatever. And I was like, oh, oh, we're going to just like bump around point of views. But it actually is working incredibly well in this story. And mm-hmm. I think it is a really clever way to tell multiple different stories that are happening concurrently knowing that eventually they're going to come together Mm -hmm. and we're going to be able to see these characters through each other's eyes. And we get a little bit Mm -hmm. of that um, within the first few stories where like we have Amalia's point of view and Vito's point of view. Um, Mm -hmm. And and uh, Bartolome's uh, for I think it's our story. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I should uh, forgot to mention uh, author for this, that story is uh, Valerie Valdez. Uh, one other thing she does really well um, with the shifting points of views is the style of prose shifts slightly depending on who the speaker is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, we have gotten, you know, Quint's POV reads a little bit differently than Waida's, reads a little bit differently than Amalia's, reads differently than uh, Bartolome's, reads differently than uh, Malcolm's. Uh, and... Um, when stories are set up with this pov switching uh like that it's uh one of my favorite things is watching the way as authors kind of tailor the sections um texturally Mm -hmm. uh you know this is a thing that we praised um uh jango wexler for a lot in the gathering storm i think he uh nailed it there uh and it's something i think valerie's doing also excellently here um, so it's, I like this style of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting next week when we talk about the second three stories and things start converging. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's where I'm going to leave that thought. Last note on that, and this will segue us into episode two, sort of, um, the end of episode one, it ends with Amalia's point of view and she is, uh, witnessing veto opening the like first door that they have to pass through so like all three of these like points of view in the first episode sort of revolve around characters crossing a doorway in some way Mm -hmm. um with Huatli and quintorius opening their the door with poetry and then malcolm and breaches just kind of walking into downtown uh there's not really a door to go through uh and they they have a puzzle presented to them, but it's not really resolved until the next uh, couple of episodes about like what happened in downtown. Um, so their story is a little different. But Amalia uh, reaches this door with Vito, who has guided them there using his fancy book that he won't tell anyone about. Um, and then he's like, ah, yes, this door is right uh, after this altar with little rivulets in it. I think I know what this is for. And then he like grabs a, a porter and sacrifices him. Uh, But the way that the author writes this scene made my skin crawl. Like, I was reading it like, oh my god, because Amalia's point of view of this human sacrifice is very much like she is kind of horrified by what's Mm -hmm. happening. And I mean, this is a girl who is like, you know, a vampire. So presumably she drinks blood. But like, watching someone get murdered on on a, like, altar is really scary for her and she's kind of forced to be involved with it um and it really like god i like wrote a note while i was reading it like this scene made me feel upset yeah 
remember um Amalia has never left Torazon before. Um is from a wealthy aristocratic family. Uh is very young. I think she is a late teens. Um and is being exposed to some of the more brutal personalities within the Legion of Dusk. And mm. it's not great. <laughs> yeah. So in episode two, which I'll start talking about now, um, we do sort of get a different point of view, not on that specific scene, but on uh, the vampires themselves. Uh, but first, episodes two starts with a really fun jumping puzzle. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Hotly and her expedition come across a like mist filled room and there's a poem and they have to get across it and it turns out it's a jumping puzzle and Weta figures it out and shows the way across, um, which I think is really cool. We we learning about Weta has been really fun because like you said, she's got this like tragic backstory um where she you know spent a year as a pirate and she was a uh child soldier kind of. Uh, fighting against Phyrexia but at the same time Weta is also like a poet and she kind of dreamed of being like Watley someday and so that comes through a lot in her character um also Quintorius uh licks some bones because he's a he's an archaeologist and that's what they do they lick rocks and then they're like hmm that is a bone or hmm that is pottery so I thought that was a really fun moment I was like ah yes that is very archaeology Mm-hmm. Um, there's also this great conversation between Weta and, uh, Kaparokti, uh, who is also one of the Sun Empire people, um, one of the, like, representation, representatives of the military about how the Emperor really, really wants to go to war, and he's kind of hoping to find something down here to help with the war, uh, which is, I'm sure, foreshadowing. Uh, also, at this... It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, the Emperor is bloodthirsty and he wants to go to war with the uh, vampires, which is honestly understandable. The vampires are pretty awful, but like not a good sign for peace loving people like Watley. And as this is all happening, uh, Malcolm and Breaches are going into the uh, mine of downtown uh, with some of their pirate buddies, and they find a fungusaur, like a dinosaur covered in fungus, and it's not good, folks. It's not fun. The dinosaur is very vicious and evil, uh, and they have to fight it. Um, but the scene that I want to talk about in relation to episode one, uh, Vito's expedition finds another door that they have to pass, and now we're seeing this scene from Vito's, Vito's point of view. So Vito gets to the door and it's just like, ah, yes, I, he just grabs one of their humans that he's got with them and just kills them. And he doesn't like hesitate. There is no struggle because Vito is just, he, he has no care for this life that he is taking to open this door. Um, and the contrast between that scene of human sacrifice and the one from Amalia's point of view in episode one Mm -hmm. is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought that was really, really clever and very good writing. So thank you, author Valerie Valdez, for uh, using multiple point of views in a way that actually like super reinforced the the feelings of these characters. And I loved it. Uh, but anyways, they find a room and it's full of sand. And if you walk across the sand in the wrong place, you die. Um, so instead of a jumping puzzle, they have a sand puzzle. And uh, the vampires just kind of like cheese the puzzle because they can fly <laughs> some of them. Yeah. 
And uh, so I, the, I, I, yeah. I believe it's Bartolome. Um, it's uh, it's the other one. The other one flies. Oh. Um, the other one whose name I can't remember because he hasn't had a point of view yet. Um, anyways, uh, they fly across the sand and they're able to like pick out a safe path through it. Um, but halfway through, a bunch of sand bug monsters attack them and the vampires kill them. Uh, it's not really like that big of a deal. Um, there's also like a lot of intra vampire tension happening for church reasons in these mm-hmm. scenes. Uh, you learn that Vito's book is a uh, like a journal from one of St. Alinda's like compatriots who came to the island slash continent of Ixalan back in the day. Um, and his spear is also from that person whose name I am forgetting. Um, even though Vito brings it up every time he talks about it. Um, but anyways, it's he's got like this book that's telling him all about Aklazots and the spear. And no one really knows where it came from. Um, and it's very kind of scary because there's some big schism happening. And this looks like it's going to be a really big part of it. Um, and then Quint and Weta find an old necklace uh, while they're like walking through some of these ruins. They find like an old like ruined city. Um, and Quint uses some lore hold magic to summon a spirit out of the necklace uh, and it's a grandpa spirit. He he's a grandpa. That's all he remembers about himself. He he Quint is like, what is your name? And the spirit's like, I don't remember. I've been dead for hundreds of years. And then Quint's like, well, what did people call you? And he's like, uh, abuelo. And that means grandpa. Well, so I I believe it's Weta who who's like, dude, that guy looks like my abuelo. And then abuelo's like, hey, that's a name I recognize. People called me that. Um. <laughs> Because he don't remember. Yeah. Um, it was a cute moment. And it's also cool to see Quint using Lorehold magic uh, mm-hmm. off Strixhaven and being a character who was at one point a plane bound character, very much associated with Strixhaven, continuing that association as a planeswalker and not sort of like becoming like some sort of generic, I don't know, uh, elephant archaeologist. Um, anyways. Uh, we return back to Malcolm and Breaches, and Malcolm uh, sings a little song to stop the dinosaur uh, while they run away from it. Uh, but a lot of the pirates got hurt, and they're looking a little fungy. Um, you get it? I quit they're... the show. <laughs> you can't. You can't quit the show. Uh, you have to be on next week's episode, because I won't be. Um, no, I'm anyway, done. Uh, it... The, the pirates get all like scratched up and their wounds are kind of healing funny. And Malcolm thinks it's a little odd, but he's like, well, I think we figured out why downtown is empty. We should uh, leave, but we got to make sure there's you know no survivors that we're abandoning. Uh, so they start delving further into the mine with a bunch of like weird hurt pirates. Um, and then finally, for like the stinger at the end of episode two, uh, Vito's expedition is crossing some bridges and like stalactites and stalagmites. Um, are you reading the line? Yeah, that I, I wrote just, I just, I just read your bullet point. Yeah. Uh, so my bullet point says uh, Vito's expedition is crossing a bunch of bridges when some little twink runs out, chased by ugly goblins. Um, and we know from reading the description that this is Kellen. Uh, and uh, Vito is like, I don't care. Leave the kid to die. I want that twink obliterated. Uh, but Amalia is like a good 
person. And so she stops and uses her cartomancy mm-hmm. to like make a map of the room real quick. And then as Kellen is running across a bridge, she scratches across the bridge and it breaks, mm-hmm. sending mm-hmm. all the like weird, ugly goblins tumbling to their death. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kellen's like, yay, you're my friend because I'm Kellen. And I see a bunch of weird looking pale people with angry faces uh, and I don't think anything of it because one of them was nice to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Kellen is now part of the story. Uh, shout out to Kellen. That kid 100% talks to strangers. <laughs> Overshares <laughs> with strangers. You sit next to him on an airplane. He's talking to you for all six hours of that flight. <laughs> I'm glad Kellen does not exist in an age of the Internet because he would be the source <laughs> of every like bad link that shows up on Discord. If he was in your Discord, you would get he would get hacked so fast and it would become your problem. He he would trust anything anyone sent them. Kellen Kellen logging on uh on uh April 15th. This is a selfie with my tax return. <laughs> um Oh, Kellen wouldn't pay taxes. <laughs> he doesn't know what a tax is. Well, he, this is a modern AU where he knows what tax is. Also, they definitely have taxes in Eldrain. He just lives in bubblefuck nowhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, no, the whole thing where she can just like erase part of a map and the magic makes that happen in reality rules so much. It's terrifying. What a terrifying power this woman has. Yeah, oh, and we've she's great. seen... We've seen her preview card and like I haven't. OK, uh, full admission. I haven't read all the stories yet because I'm doing that thing where I read them very closely and take notes and like consider them. Uh, and so I just am like reading them for the podcast. Um, and so I don't know how it comes up later, but like her card is really cool. And it I think it captures the cardomancy a lot better than people thought it did, because the way it works is when you explore, presumably you're putting plus one plus one counters on her. And then if she gets to 20 power, you destroy all other creatures. And it just makes me think of her like collecting a bunch of maps and then just burning them and just wiping the board. Like, she's pretty powerful. That's like a really strong magic. Yeah. Yeah. I like Amalia a lot. Uh, She's very, for being what she is and who she is, she seems to actually like care about people a lot more than others do. Um, I, at least in comparison to Vito, uh, mm-hmm. who was like a little out of character to me in the scene because Kellen is just like running across a bridge being chased by goblins and Vito isn't like. Kill him, <laughs> you know, like I, I expected him to be a little bit more bloodthirsty about it, but for the purposes of the plot, Kellen has to live and become part of the team. It's uh, beneath also, him. Yeah. And well, it's been, yeah, that's and especially like Kellen's getting chased by deep goblins. It's none of his Vito's concern. He's on a quest. He's on a holy quest to find his god. Um, and so why is he gonna stop to kill Kellen? That's not worth his time. Or at least question Kellen, or like question the deep goblins. Who cares? Like, um, you don't question my, people. You kill people probably, and march forward. They probably don't show up in this journal, anyways. Um, but another thing, uh, of all of the groups on Ixalan, the last one I expected Kellen to fall into was the vampires. Like, I would expect Kellen to show up and, like, join with the Sun Empire 
or like hang out with the pirates or even like maybe like hang out with merfolk but like the vampires were the last group i expected kellen to end up with it's a good twist huh it is a good twist i was also surprised by this when i learned it um then we have a third story and turns out uh we we cut back over to Waita and Quint running after Abuelo, uh, who turns a corner uh, and is panicking because he's like remembering um, the last moments of his life where this city was under siege by a bunch of fungus monsters. And so imagine his surprise as a ghost centuries later, where when he turns a corner and there's still giant fungus monsters and all of a sudden, Quentin Waita are running away from a giant fungus monster. And uh, Waita is uh, struggling to do anything to it because it's made of fungus. So you cut part of it and like, what's that matter? It don't got nerves or muscles or tendons or anything. Uh, it just like a, this black sticky goop just glues it back together. Um, so the... Um, the rest of the Sun Empire peoples uh, rally and uh, very quickly get outnumbered by fungus monsters. And then they hear the sound of rushing water and they look over to the side and there's a gushing stream uh, and all of a sudden a bunch of river heralds leap out and uh, do the Terminator, Terminator come with me if you want to live thing. Uh, and cast, you know, these magic bubbles around everyone, uh, and they jump into this stream and uh, ride the current away from this ruined city. And then Malcolm learns a very difficult truth. Uh, all these pirates that he's with that have had these mysterious wounds glued together by Black Ooze, hey, where have we heard that before? Uh, turns out they're infected by these mushrooms. And so the elevator they're on down the C-note gets stuck on a mushroom. And so he's like, hey, someone cut that loose. And um, the woman cuts it and it puffs out and releases all these spores. Um, and uh, people start choking on them. And then all the infected uh, pirates who are starting to glow green like the rest of the fungus start pushing the non-infected pirates into the... Um, cloud of spores and Malcolm and Breaches have to uh, escape up the shaft and uh, cut the elevator loose and send it careening down the cave uh, and are like well crap it's not a good time um, they've kind of just so like I, decided I, yeah I, mm -hmm. I just read the next uh, no and I was like why did you write it like this and it's because of the contrast with the second sentence uh, so I'm going to read this word for the way Chris read it. The Vito expedition meets a bunch of cat warriors. They're so cute with their little paws and whiskers. The cat sentenced them to death by sand. Uh, <laughs> uh, so this was slightly foreshadowed um, because Amalia had noticed these um, uh, statues uh, leading, you know, occasionally on their path. And so they uh, have uh, found... Uh, is it the the Malamut? Malamut, Ma Malame, I, I don't know. They're a new thing in magic. Uh, the Malamut. <laughs> uh, yes, the uh, the Malamut. They are the jaguar folk who live underground 
and in a big city. There's also some deep goblins that live in the city. Um, and it's a whole like network of cities connected by like carved into massive stalactites um, and connected by stone bridges and like zip lines and net bridges and stuff, uh, which sounds like it rules. Uh, and so um, they're they're brought. Uh, Vito just wants to like pass through, but Bartolome is like, "Hey, we should try some diplomacy. Maybe they can, you know, be a help here." Uh, and Vito and Bartolome are kind of at each other's necks, metaphorically, um, at each other's throats. That's how the phrase goes. Uh, it's, just, it's practically the same as a neck, um, metaphorically. Uh, because Vito's like, hey, Bartolome, stop goddamn questioning me. I'm sorry, Aklazat's damn questioning me uh, <laughs> and undermining my ability to lead this expedition. Uh, by the way, this chapter is from Bartolome's POV, which is cool uh, because he talks about how Amalia reminds him of his daughter um, and uh, he seems very protective of her specifically and is like, gives her advice about like hey like don't challenge veto here you have to protect you know protecting yourself is important regardless of your beliefs you can come out of this alive instead uh and um yeah they're brought to the uh malamet leader who veto is rude to and they all get sentenced to death um Meanwhile, there's a little moment where Weta and Quintorius, um, the, the River Heralds bring them to a city that has like thousands of River Heralds in it. Um, so it's clear the River Heralds have been down here for some time. Um, not like centuries, I don't think. Um, but there's a city with a big weathered door on it. Um... And so Quintorius and Weta have a little conversation about um, who has the right to tell a people's stories. Um, what is a museum? Uh, how is history preserved and um, uh, disseminated to future generations? Um, and Quintorius talks about using museums. Uh, and academic papers and Weta talks about, you know, the oral traditions of the Sun Empire's warrior poets um, and their art. And uh, it's an interesting little discussion that they have, which I like that that exists because, hey, that's something that should be brought up in a story where an outsider is working with a native population to investigate ostensibly ruins of their own past civilizations. But that's a little complicated, as we'll find out next week when we actually see the old tech in the core but that's for the future um <laughs> uh malcolm and breaches are uh malcolm's like screw it i'm done fans can send somebody else here and then a bunch of mushrooms start springing up out uh up the sides of the caves and they start spelling out words in glowing letters that say safe and down and malcolm has a crisis of conscience because he's like damn it this could very easily be a trap but also i'm friends with a bunch of the people we have lost from downtown 
And if there are any survivors here, I have a responsibility to try to bring them back. So I guess we're going back down. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> so he and Breaches start heading back down the scene. Um, the vampires. We were back at Amalia's uh, POV. Uh, she takes a deep breath before she gets covered up by sand uh, and tells Kellen to do the same. And Bartolome, Bartolome notices too. Uh, and so as she's following through this like sand fountain thing, um, she's expecting to just get buried in sand and kind of get crushed and then die. Uh, although she has a moment where she's like, well, I wonder how long my vampiric nature will keep me alive in this stupid sand prison. Um, but she doesn't have time to ponder this for very long because they drop out the bottom of this sand fountain into some water by river heralds who are like, hey, Come with me if you want to live, um, which seems familiar. And uh, they start uh, swimming to uh, the shore and uh, are kind of rescued from this precarious situation by some merfolk. To, to be fair, the River Heralds do say, um, come quietly or you will be subdued by force. Uh, prompting, yeah. Kellen, <laughs> prompting Kellen to say, I can't believe this is my third time being ambushed in one day. Yeah, it's great. I love Kellen. Kellen and Amalia are very, they have a very fun uh, rapport with each other. It's very cute. Um, Kellen immediately meets someone who is nice to him and decides this is my best friend now. I'm going to do best friend things. Yeah, uh, I will say just like thoughts on all of these episodes that Kellen is a character and he's present, but he's not the focus like he was in Wilds of Eldraine. And I like that a lot. Um, I think it's really good to have Kellen, who is this like supposedly character that is continuing out through these these stories and finishing mm -hmm. out this arc uh, as a major character who's present, but also like this isn't his story. And so he's just kind of here. And I like that about him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't. Obviously, we'll next week we'll see uh, what he is up to here more. Um, but, uh, you know, the two of our expeditions have now been picked up by River Heralds. Um, we'll see what happens with Malcolm and Breaches. Uh, so things are starting to, like, come together. And we once again have another door that nobody can open. <laughs> um, because that's the theme of this set is doors. Yeah, I really enjoy these first three episodes. I think that they are, I, I think the writing is of course incredible. Um, the writing has gotten uh, very, very good over the last couple of years of web fiction. Uh, and I also really like the pacing on these. Um, we're not being thrown too quickly into something. And we're also not like, I don't feel like we're spending a lot of time building up to something without having any interesting bits in there. Um, so the pacing is is pretty on where I want it to be. Uh, like I said, I haven't read episodes four, five, and six yet. I will probably read them tomorrow and the day after because that's I like reading on the weekends. Um, I'm a little miffed about this uh, releasing all of the story on one day situation. Uh, and that's for another discussion on another episode, probably later this year. Um, I mean, I I think we can... 
I do want to mention because mm-hmm. because th- this is a thing that was discussed a lot on our Discord server and have seen some people talk about uh, elsewhere online um, is uh, having all six main set stories and the very long side story drop all on the same day was a lot uh, and people seem generally unhappy with it um, and you know this isn't about my opinions of this I'll share those I guess at. Uh, the end, but for folks who had a negative reaction to the story being dumped all at once, or if you had a positive reaction, this isn't directly uh, targeted at anyone in particular, but when the Ixalan, Lost Caverns of Ixalan surveys go around, they'll get posted by Wizards of the Coast uh, sometime after the set releases. Um, usually, I think it's usually a week or two, maybe it's a month after, I don't know. Um, when the survey goes around, take the survey, talk about your feelings on this release schedule. These things are looked at. This is a really constructive way to send your feedback to Wizards of the Coast in a way where it will be seen and accounted for. Uh, the surveys are important. Please do them. Uh, this is how things like story schedule uh story release schedules can get iterated on uh in a way that best works for y'all the community um with the caveat that there are a lot of factors in play and sometimes things can't be perfect but um yeah if you hated getting all the stories at once um let wizards know the servers are coming up can at social media accounts but don't harass them polite and constructive feedback constructive feedback good there's going to be sections on the surveys for that yeah and i will say i i do not begrudge them for taking a chance and trying something new uh i think that it's good i think for example this is a six story main story right we haven't had one of those before unless it was like march of the machine where it was you know 12 or whatever um and so i think that's cool that we're they're experimenting a little bit with that and giving us like one super long side story rather than giving us like a bunch of little ones Uh, i think that's all really good i think that experimenting is great i think that this experiment personally i was not a fan of and i will let them know that in a very polite and constructive way um I appreciate their attempt at trying something new. That's that's all I'll say about that. Um, but as for the stories themselves, the writing is really good. The story is really good. I like the new characters. I like the returning mm-hmm. characters. Uh, it's really fun to be able to like spend time with Watley again. It's really, I really like Amalia a lot as a character. I think that mm-hmm. she was something we really needed to make the story work. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because a a vampire point of view that was just veto would make them so unappealing that there would be no reason for you to really be interested in their story. Um, Yeah, I mean, that that was the vulnerable problem with the original Ixalan, mm -hmm. uh, is that pretty much all the Legion of Dusk was filtered through Vona's POV. Um, And and we got a last name for Vona, by the way. um, I, I believe we had it already. It's uh, D E Edo. Yeah, uh, it's in right. my notes somewhere. But yeah, it's she has a last name, and it's given to us in the story. 
Um, I believe this was known information from Planeswalker Guide stuff and the art book and such. But uh, yeah, and like obviously Allison's stories were structurally different, had different requirements, were telling a different kind of story. But uh, it is nice to get, uh, especially because so much of the Legion's um, themes in this set specifically is this internal conflict. So having various characters for with various POVs inside the group, I think is important to um, uh, display uh, that growing schism. Um, it makes them more interesting. It makes them more dramatic. Um, I, I think my one thing about the first three episodes is um, I feel very little about Malcolm and Breach's story. Breach's, unfortunately, is a comic relief character and is very flat and has no motivation or personality. Uh, so the Malcolm sections are basically just Malcolm talking to himself. Um, and so he doesn't really get to play with um, any other character dynamics uh, in, 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 in an interesting way. Uh, this is a structural thing that would have come from Wizards of the Coast. This is not a reflection of the author. I think, um, she is doing great writing Malcolm. Uh, I would like Malcolm to interact with other characters though. Yeah. Um, because we've gotten a lot of really good character moments for everybody else. Um, and, uh, I would like that for Malcolm too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I also just I really appreciate getting Weta as a character as mm -hmm. well. Uh, it could have very easily just been a role that was really taken by Hotley, um, and it could have just been Hotley and Quintorius doing yeah. things. Uh, so, and, yeah. Not finish. I'll well, say my piece after. And and so when it comes down to it, I'm like having Weta there as like a new character, but also this character who is allowed to have a different background than Watley has to make her like relationship with Quintorius more interesting. And then also to like give us something to sort of explore as a new character is really nice. Um, not saying that I don't like Watley, but it is saying like, we know Watley and we have, we sort of know Quintorius and having way to there means we have a new character to sort of be excited about and to learn about as we're, we're reading, which I like. Um, I'm a big fan yeah. of like having a new character, you know. It's, it's I nice. like Weta as a character. I think she is taking too much time from Watley. Um, oh, okay. will I? You have you have Watley as an established character who has had very little time in these first three stories, um, mm -hmm. and I think she should be more of a focal point for the Sun Empire. You already have the established conflicts between um, seeking knowledge. Uh, about your history for sentimental purposes and artistic purposes versus militaristic purposes. Uh, you already have that with Wally, Wally and the other uh, Sun Empire people. You don't need Weta in there. Wally also served during the Firexane invasion. You can have a lot of complicated points. And so I'd like to see more of the established character that we really don't have a whole lot of story for because she wasn't um, the big focus character in the original Ixalan. Uh, and we have seen very little of her since. Um, I will say if if we reach episode six and I don't feel like Quatley has had time to yeah. be a main character, then I will I would be a little upset about that. But I think yeah, for the purpose of the first three episodes, I really liked Weta taking that role that could have easily been Quatley 
especially when it came to developing Quintorius as a character as well, um, giving us this new character to bounce off of uh, and sort of creating someone crafted to be Quintorius's like, I don't want to say foil because they're not really that diametrically opposed in terms of characterization, but like someone for him to bounce off of a little bit they're, during these first they're, stories. They're narrative cohorts. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I just think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think uh, looking at our time, I think that is probably about going to be where we wrap up. Yes. However, we should wrap up um, the discussion. We should say what our final thoughts for the week are and then move on to saying goodbye to everyone. I mean, I don't have I don't have anything else for discussion. Yep. Me neither. Uh, so I'm, I'm ready. OK, then we don't have to wrap up discussion. We're done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so we can move to final thoughts. Final thoughts. I've been with. So I finally I have a final thought and I've had it prepared for a couple days now. Uh, everyone, every single goddamn person listening to this podcast episode go play slay the princess go play slay the princess now immediately buy it it's not that expensive go now please uh it is not close my game of the year not close at all and this is a year where we have had some phenomenal games released um I don't know that I can adequately summarize what Slay the Princess is. Uh, well, it's a visual novel. Is it? Yes, it's a horror it game. Steam? It is on Steam. I don't. Okay. What? What? I, I I think it's on Steam and Itch and. <laughs> uh, this is great. the Wikipedia page lists its genres as dating sim psychological horror and visual novel um i sort of <laughs> not uh i would not call it a dating sim but i wouldn't not not call it a dating sim but i'm also a dyke so my standards for that are different than most people's um it it, it is it is ostensibly a horror game um, it's also a love story. It's not a dating sim, but it is a love story. It just, the game does just tell you that. Uh, it is, I don't know if there has ever been a game made that is more very specifically tailored for me personally. <laughs> um, it is, it's a game that I don't think has hit me psychologically, philosophically, emotionally, artistically this hard since I played I Think Heaven Will Be Mine which was a couple years ago. Also, go play Heaven Will Be Mine and We Know the Devil. Um, and just go play Slay the Princess. Like, I'm just... I, I, I don't want to tell you anything about it because the less you know about it going in, the better. Um, just play it. Just play Slay the Princess. Slay the Princess. That is the name of the game. Slay the Princess. Go just play it. Please, 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 please. I'm going to go insane. Uh, begging people to play Slay the Princess. It, are, are any of the games you've just mentioned available on like Switch? Or are they all like Steam um, style games? We know, we know the Devil in Heaven will be mine. I believe are both also on Itch and Steam. Okay. Um, they are also short indie queer visual novels. Okay. Um, I'm I'm asking because my final thought is that I am traveling to Seattle next week. Uh, which means uh -huh. I won't I won't be on next week's episode, which might come as a shock to some listeners because I've been on 
every episode for many years now. Um, but I'm taking next week off. Uh, I'm going to Seattle to visit family. Uh, and that means I have like 10 hours of plane flights to do. And typically I read, but I might I might see about playing like a, a, a graphic or a visual novel on the plane. Um, um, yeah, uh, well, we know the devil. You can play through all the routes in like two hours. Uh, mm-hmm. Heaven will be mine is closer to four or five. Um, and I have no idea how many hours I'm going to put into Slay the Princess. This game is dense in the best way. Go, right. go play Slay the Princess. Just do it. Uh, also, as a final thought, I've been watching my way through Gilmore Girls and I'm uh, finished with season four. I'm well into season five now. And if people want to talk to me about Gilmore Girls and their opinions on uh, Jess and Dean and like Luke, I'm more than willing to do that on our Discord. If you just like at me with your thoughts on Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Uh, so the problem with that is... Uh... If one more person says, oh, like on Gilmore Girls, when they learn my name is Lorelai, I'm going to strangle someone. <laughs> um, yeah. No, not like that. I spell it differently. I've never watched Gilmore Girls. I don't care about Gilmore Girls. It's not like that. Ah. At least have the dignity to say, oh, like the song by Styx. Then I'll go, yeah, spell differently, but pronounce the same. Rock. Um, yeah. Anyway. That was an attempt to get you a segue. Yeah, I... <laughs> to talk about the Discord. Yeah, if you want to go talk to Chris about Gilmore Girls, you can head over to patreon.com slash cast because everyone who joins there gets access to our Discord community where we're talking about apparently Gilmore Girls but not Slay the Princess because I don't want to say anything about it. I don't know how... I have really been struggling with how to talk about this game to other people who are playing it um, because they're can't even explain why anyway uh we are all enjoying lost caverns of Ixalan previews uh we are still talking about the story because uh we you know we've been getting a little more world building um expansion from uh flavor texts from the set uh including a very very juicy lore drop recently uh which i assume we'll talk about next week um and uh, I think that's it. Uh, thank you all for listening. We have been the Vorthos cast. <laughs>